Our passage this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 through 34. Listen for God's word for each of us this morning. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You have little faith. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord God, this morning, more so than any morning which I can remember, we are grateful for your Spirit. 
for the ways that it is your spirit which can be with all of us at once is the very thing that binds us together whether we are close or far away. God, we are grateful that we can hear your word and believe that it is you who speaks and it is you who binds us together. And so God, help us to put away our distractions. Help us to put away the awkwardness we feel about a different context of worship and help us to desire to hear from you and to be changed in the process. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning. I miss you guys. This is uh, a little awkward. I got Matthew here with me. Uh, so I'm really hoping he laughs at a lot of my jokes. So thank you. Uh, but I am grateful uh, to be able to uh, gather around God's word, to worship together, and I, and I truly hope that in a spirit-filled way that this is meaningful, that it feels necessary and good, and that you encounter the love of God. But to begin with, I want to invite you to close your eyes. I want you to actually close your eyes. I see you, Nick Dom. Close those eyes. And with your eyes closed, take a deep breath, maybe two. And as you continue to breathe deeply, I want you to think back to a time where you felt truly alive, truly present. Try to think of a time where you encountered real peace and joy, where you had a sense of purpose, and, and that purpose felt like freedom. Can you name it? Can you see it? What were you doing? What was that context? Open your eyes. Did a specific moment come to mind? I know it's kind of a weird format. You might have, you know, four-year-old running around and you're yelling at them or you're sitting next to your parents feeling totally awkward. But if a moment did surface or if one might surface later, my bet is it was a time defined by generosity where either someone was generous to you or you felt the freedom to generously give of yourself. The experience, it might have been hard at first or, or something that didn't come naturally, but when you look back at it, you say, that's what life is all about. You know, so often when we consider being more generous when we talk about generosity the the focus is on what we're gonna have to give up or sacrifice or or do differently 
But this morning, I want to invite us to think about generosity as what it means to be rightly centered. What it means to live as we were created to be. I wrote that opening on March 8th after reading our scripture for the first time. March 8th feels like a long time ago, doesn't it? In the wake of all that has happened, I was tempted to go find another passage, one that could more concretely speak words of comfort to us. But I realized any attempt for me to to try to convince you with some line of scripture that things are okay, that that would have gone over like a, a lead balloon, primarily because things are not okay. I don't know what your household looks like, but mine is teetering on the brink. And we are healthy. I'm getting a paycheck. My wife is too. Things are hard. Many of us are annoyed, stressed, scared. The last thing we need is a feel-good message that tells us otherwise. We're in a pandemic. We don't need happy thoughts. We need the God of the universe. And so I decided to stick with God's word then. Stay with the passage I had already planned to preach, the one we just read. And as God's word promised it would, I believe that this passage has endured It continues to speak that it's still true for us this morning, even if that truth is now coming at us from a completely different direction than the one I I first thought it would. And I truly believe that. But then I I reread the parable on Monday, and I confess that I had second thoughts, third thoughts, I guess. I mean, Jesus, he calls this farmer a fool, And he doesn't put the critique in an affirmation sandwich. There there are no caveats. And I was reading that, and I was like, man, this parable, I don't know. Maybe it might be a bit too confrontational for this season of life where it feels like everything's already confronting us. I don't know, maybe I'm being hypersensitive because I just finished building a, a bigger barn to house all the toilet paper I now own. Maybe this parable, maybe it doesn't sit well because the farmer didn't set out to be greedy. He didn't exploit anyone. It just seems he he makes a practical decision in order to keep his crops from going to waste. And that feels relatable because in our current situation, being practical is in fact being faithful. And in the end, are we not grateful for the barns that we have right now? I mean, think about how much more anxious we would be if we had been more generous last month. If ever there was a time when God would endorse a bigger barn, it seems now would be that time. Don't get me wrong, this passage is true, and it is convicting most of the time, but maybe not right now. 
Right now, it has a bit more judgment than feels helpful. And yet, let me ask you this. Is the, would you say that the overarching theme of this passage that is that we should feel bad about what we have and guilty about what we worry about? Or is it that Jesus desires for us to not be defined by our possessions and enslaved by our worries? It's the latter, isn't it? Which makes me think that, that maybe that hint of judgment we feel when we read this parable, maybe that judgment, maybe it's actually a glimmer of grace. It is true that Jesus is asking us to let go of certain aspects of our life, and I understand that it feels hard to let go of anything right now. But maybe Jesus is inviting us to do it so we can embrace a grace-filled perspective of the world that we are in desperate need of at the moment. The more I thought about it, the more I realized the farmer is not a fool for being wealthy. And he's not foolish for hoping his crops don't go to waste. Or for being concerned about the future. No, the, the farmer is a fool because he sees what is extra as his treasure. He comes to believe this excess is the key to having a good life. The farmer thinks it is only because I have more than I need in my barn that I can now eat, drink, and be merry. And that's foolish because as Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Which means the farmer's heart, his passion, where he will receive his joy is in a barn he will never use. The farmer is a fool because when he was given the gift of abundance, he chose to center his life around avoiding anxiety. And in doing so, he became defined by it. It's the same for the man who begins this whole discourse because he was seeking money from his brother. He isn't a fool for having his feelings hurt. Nor is he a fool for, for wanting his family issues resolved. He's a fool because he's chosen to treasure someone else's possessions. For letting his heart be controlled by what another person has. The issue for both men is that they treasure the wrong thing. And I believe the issue for us this morning is around what we truly believe brings forth meaning, joy, peace. What do we believe is worth treasuring? To be clear, though, it's not unfaithful to be practical. Jesus was practical. 
More than once, he practices social distancing because being with others was too dangerous or too much. And in the same way, it's not unfaithful to worry or to feel anxious. Jesus was no stoic. On the night of his arrest, Jesus is in such stress in the Garden of Gethsemane, he sweats blood. But the Lord is also no fool. He does not assume the need to be practical or the unavoidable anxiety that comes with living in a broken world somehow makes the ways of this world more life-giving than the ways of God. So when the Lord makes the practical decision to avoid crowds, it's so that he can more fully give of himself later. Jesus may be anxious as the cross approaches, but when Judas and the soldiers arrive, they find him in a posture of prayer, ready to love even those who condemn him to death. Jesus is in the world, but he refuses to bow to the world's narrative that something other than faith in God's ways are worth treasuring. Jesus knows the way of life is love, and so that is always what he is looking to invest in. And when he's in a position where he can invest, his prayer is that he might be delivered into it. That is his motivation and his desire in everything he does. It is a picture of freedom. Friends, I will tell you, I am anxious. For the first time in a long time this week, I had a couple nights where sleep did not come easy for me. I don't think the way that I feel is, is good, but I don't think it's foolish. We live in worry sometimes. We're at the risk of getting seriously ill. People we love who are immune compromised are at serious risk. Some of us have lost jobs, gotten furloughed. We're overwhelmed trying to teach our children. And a bunch of us are lonely, legitimately lonely. This is real deal stuff. And how we feel about it is not foolish. But what is foolish is to think we should build any kind of life around those feelings. We don't get to choose our context. We don't get to choose how we feel. But friends, we do get to choose what we treasure. And the question before us this morning is, do we treasure not being anxious? Or do we treasure living a generous life? When Jesus says, do not worry, what I believe he means is when your worries come, remember those thoughts do not have the final word. That those thoughts do not build up a life that will last. We do not need to feel guilty about them. There is no shame in feeling them. But remember the gift we have been given in Christ Jesus. Remember where we have felt alive. 
Remember that we are not brimming with life when we look at our bank account and see how full it is. I challenge you to tell me a time where that's been true. We don't feel joy in purpose when we avoid an illness. I have never made it through a flu season unscathed and proclaimed, this is what life is all about. No, we overflow with life when we realize we are treasured by the God of the universe. We feel alive when we recognize God's spirit in us and believe we have been invited to live according to his generous ways, that there is nothing standing in the way of that because of his grace. I am utterly convinced that the gift of faith is we can choose the only true act of freedom. In believing that God loves us, we can treasure his grace and turn to our neighbor and desire to love them generously. Truly, the most alive I have felt this week is praying for y'all. The most grateful I have felt was seeing my wife struggle and sacrifice to teach and love my kids and her students. The most joy I have encountered was when I was able, on behalf of this church, to let the contract workers know, the musicians and the child care workers and all the rest, that because of your generosity, we could continue to pay them. That their bills didn't have to be put off. It was amazing. Friends, I am worried. I am being practical. But we do not have to let a virus define our lives. For we have been defined by the generous love of Jesus Christ our Lord. May our prayers, may our actions, may our life be a witness to this good news. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we are grateful for your gospel. We are grateful for the ways you will always judge us into redemption. That a hard word from you always ends in a loving place for us to stand. And so God, this morning, I pray that we may be called out for the places that we have put our treasure in the world. And that it might be a calling out that feels like a place of hope. For we remember and see that we are treasured by you and invited to live in your ways, generous, excited to serve and to love others, that we might live as we are created to live. Thank you, Lord, for this good news. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.